Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Grace and peace to all who are visiting with us this morning. And if you're not visiting with us, welcome as well. So all are included. All are included. So we celebrate uh, this day, Garrett and Danielle, and the arrival of Creighton J. This happened on the 20th. Yes. So um, Creighton J, that's awesome. And so they are home taking care of him. And just another announcement, you may have not heard, but Shirley and Jay have an announcement. Yeah, go ahead. There you go. Last night, uh, we had a little excitement in our family. Cole and Mary had their new baby last night, 823. Lucy May. Lucy so, May. Old, older style name. Same exact weight as Creighton J. Oh, wonderful. Six pounds, seven ounces. So I think, I think we won still, though. But sure. Okay. <laughs> seven, 17 inches long, so a little bit shorter, but uh, also a wonderful event for our family, our first wonderful. grandbaby. So very That special. is great. First grandbaby. Yes. Yes. That's good. Awesome. All right. So, yeah, so we celebrate the newness of life. We'll have a second rose next week uh, up here up front. So... This is a just, just great, just great. So, um, yeah, so this morning's gospel reading uh, from uh, the Gospel of Luke, once again, um, it's a short yet powerful uh, a story about Jesus, the healing of a woman, uh, the practice of Sabbath, and the work of God. I mean, it's all right there. Before we dive into our narrative this morning, I, I will mention that this is not the only place in Scripture where we hear or learn of Jesus doing something, teaching, healing, uh, uh, you know, uh, helping us to understand what Sabbath is all about. He does this in other places. He does this in Luke, in the same same gospel, chapter 4, chapter 6, and chapter 14. So if you want some just more kind of nuanced teaching on Sabbath and teaching and healing, you can look at those places. Um, But I want to go to our passage this morning, the one that we have in Luke 13, of which Matt just read. And I, I want to read it, just the first part, once again, but I'm going to do it slowly. And as I do this, I would invite you to even close your eyes if you'd like and just sort of imagine, um, maybe just what's the scene? Uh, maybe even, do you, do you even find yourself uh, in this story at all? So let's just, I'm going to read uh, slow, unhurried uh, this morning, um, and we'll start with the, with the verse 10 here, so... On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. 
So this is the first part of our, of our text this morning. So Jesus is here doing what we have grown accustomed to him doing, teaching in the synagogue on a Sabbath. This is not new. Uh, it, so he's, t- he's taught before, but in this story, it doesn't tell us what he's teaching. We don't have that, uh, that specific thing. The first time he teaches in the synagogue uh, is in his hometown of Nazareth. And we can find that in Luke chapter 4. And I think it's important to know just what his message was on that day, because I think it has to do with what transpires on this day in the synagogue. So in Luke chapter 4, when he came to Nazareth, next slide, there you go, uh, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He, set, he has sent me to proclaim release, okay? release to the captives, in recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed. Set free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was his message on that day, the first time we see it in Scripture. And I want to highlight it for the sake of our our narrative today. Jesus does something here for the prisoners and the oppressed. He does what? Apostello is the word. He sets free. He sets free. He releases. Okay? So... That's his first teaching in the synagogue. So with that teaching in mind, we consider today's text once again. So this unnamed woman enters the synagogue. This unnamed woman enters the presence of Jesus. This unnamed woman who had been crippled by a spirit of weakness, one that had her doubled over, bent, and broken. And this for 18 years. I mean, it's just easy to kind of just gloss over that. 18 years. I am 42 years old. 18 years ago, I was 24. It was 2001. What did my life look like at that point? (laughs) Well, in 2001, I had known Miley for four months. Four months at this point in 2001. Uh, I was living in Cedar Falls, Iowa, the great state of Iowa, okay, all right, and uh, in grad school, uh, working towards my MBA, right, Uh, and on this date in 2001, it was actually 17 days before the attack on the World Trade Centers, 18 years, okay, now think back to 18 years ago for you. 18 years ago, think about 2001. Where were you? What was going on in your life at that point? Now imagine for me, uh, or, or imagine that from that moment that you have in your mind, from that moment until today, having to deal with a crippling spirit. Walking doubled over, 
The point is, it's a long time, 18 years. The spirit crippling this, this woman. If that was true for you, imagine how different your life would be. Probably unable to work anymore. No longer able to enjoy sports that requires an able body to do so. Driving is probably no longer a safe thing to go about. Think about your relational world. How would this be different? Perhaps living in constant, in the constant reality of needing assistance. No longer being able to look anyone in the face. To look into their eyes. Most likely the reality of there's probably a lack of physical touch for this woman and affection. Your ability to love and to serve, or not to love, but to serve others may be greatly diminished and may perhaps not contributing to society as this woman once probably did or you once probably did. So this woman in the synagogue, crippled, female, okay? perhaps someone whom people didn't even notice or see. Literally, if you looked across the crowd, you might physically not be able to see this woman. Ask anyone who's 5'2 or shorter, right? Probably looked over, looked over. And then we see in verse 12, Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Overlooked by many, however, Jesus is attentive to her. And he calls her over. I I sometimes wonder with this text, now was Jesus motivated by compassion for the woman? Or did he know that there was a teachable moment coming up? (laughs) Right? All right? I vote compassion. Right? He's not like, oh, I need to teach these people about Sabbath. Oh, let's grab her. No. No. I think it was a compassion that he was motivated by. But then he uses it to then reveal. Okay? And to teach. Um, what I think is happening here is that Jesus is literally, physically, bringing someone who is in the margins of society and in the shadows and bringing that person to center. From the margins to the center. With the presence of the kingdom of God, this typically is the story. From the margins to the center. So Jesus calls her forward and says, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Straightened up. Praise God. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't tell the woman, you're healed, or be healed, or you're cured, okay? Luke does this elsewhere, okay? Luke uses this word, uh, therapuo, which is where we get therapy. He, He uses this word in all of these instances here in Luke, which came out in blue for some reason. He uses that Greek word. But he, here he doesn't use that word. He uses a different word. 
uses the word apaluo, which means released or set free. So it's a perfect, it's in the perfect passive tense, which means it's already happened, it's already been accomplished, but will continue into the present. Uh, and um, now, does this remind you of anything that Jesus taught earlier in his preaching career in the synagogue? Well, yes, it does. Released and set free. Set free from what? From bondage of some sort. Later in verse 16, we'll read that Jesus will pin this woman's infirmity, her crippling ailment, on the bondage, on a bondage from an evil, from, from Satan himself. He says Satan. So Luke's emphasis here is a release to the captives. Um, and it had been explicit, explicitly stated in Jesus' first sermon in the synagogue that's recorded. So here, indeed, we see such a release, and um, being set free has taken place. It has taken place. So continuing on in our, in our story, then he put his hands on her and immediately straightened up and praised God. This unnamed woman from the margins had been unable to raise herself up straight, to stand up straight, to return and be restored to the form of how God created her to be. Her lived experience did not match what God had intended for her for the past 18 years. However, now with Jesus' intervention, she's released from this bondage. She's released and she is then restored. And of note, this, this woman does not appear to be confused about Jesus' source of power. Therefore, she praises God. Now, before we proceed to the next section, I want to, and talk about Sabbath, I want to again contemplate, maybe even close your eyes again, imagine this scene. What do you envision? What do you think or see as the response of this woman? Now, we are told that she praises God. The question is, and it's fun to consider, what form did that take? What form? What expression? Perhaps shouts of joy? A smile from ear to ear? Perhaps even a holy laughter of being set free and restored? Do you think maybe she even danced? Perhaps. So this would have been something that all present that day would have seen and would have witnessed. It's perhaps, um, it perhaps even that morning or that day in the synagogue created a disturbance in the way that these people were in the habit of meeting together on the Sabbath in the synagogue. 
Something out of the ordinary just took place. This is no ordinary occurrence, not something that we see every week when we go to church. She was now physically restored, but I would argue even socially restored as well to the community. So as we read on in verse 14, indignant because, just catch that, indignant, not just a little upset, but indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. This is funny to me. I, I don't know if anyone catches this. This is funny. Um, he's really, really upset, offended. I would throw in maybe jealous. <laughs> like, why can't I do that? Right? I don't know uh, that Jesus can do such a thing. Um, have you ever been so mad and so indignant at someone that you take your anger somewhere else? <laughs> have you done this? Like, he is indignant. But who does he address? He doesn't talk to Jesus. He talks to the people. I mean, I'm guilty of this myself, right? The man says to the people. And obviously within earshot is Jesus. He's right there, right? But he doesn't address him directly, so this is kind of funny. I mean, I've, I see myself. <laughs> I see myself in his shoes, right? So there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath um, I, think for, for, I think for this synagogue leader, I think what is happening here is a failure to understand. It's a failure to see, a failure to perceive um, what is actually happen, happening. And if you're like me, you s- kind of start to feel sorry for him. Anyone? This, the synagogue leader? Or maybe you're just angry like Jesus. I, don't, I, I start to feel sorry for him. So this man is operating. You ever know someone who's operating under a misunderstanding and that sort of governs how they are in the world, right? He's under a misunderstanding of what the purpose of Torah, the purpose of law is, of the law is. When we think of laws these days, we, can, we can't just travel any speed that we want on any road, right? What would happen? Chaos, Right? We need speed limits to create order. Order, right? Uh, we can't just go around stealing anything that we want, you know, from someone else's possessions, right? There's laws against that. This would create disorder <laughs> and chaos. Um, you have to pay your taxes, right? Uh, because money is needed for schools and for roads, Increased tax on roads, right? So we need, you know, it's for an orderly society, right? Laws do, in fact, create order in a chaotic world. And if you're like me, I can be seduced into thinking that, uh, that creating and maintaining order is the purpose of the law. Creating and maintaining order is the purpose of law. That's why we have laws, right? Right? Well, I don't know... And we can see from the Old Testament that that's not necessarily the purpose of the law, like the Torah, just to create order. Um, I think that the order that the law provides is not the end goal, but rather laws are meant to bring life, health, 
and flourishing to all people. Original intent, the purpose of the law. Not just for order, but for life and for health and for flourishing of all people. Of all people. The way the Old Testament seems to handle the purpose of the law is to provide guidance in how to live with each other so that um, all of us, all of us may experience health and flourishing in this life, in the world that we share. So Torah was given to Israel by God, not to help them become God's people, but it was given because they are God's people. So Jesus, in this Sabbath, is in clear violation of the laws surrounding Sabbath, if you think of the orderly intent. But we have to remember that the divine purpose of the laws, namely to promote life and health and flourishing for all, The original commandment regarding Sabbath is to keep it holy and do no work on the Sabbath was meant to ensure that people who are formerly in slavery have a day off. Promoting life, health, and flourishing. The laws of the Sabbath were designed to promote these things. This synagogue leader doesn't see the original intent. So he becomes indignant because as Jesus brings life and health to this woman, what else happens? It brings disorder and disruption in the synagogue. Now, if he thinks laws are for order and Jesus violates this and it brings disorder in the synagogue, that's the source of his anger. There's disorder. We cannot have this. Now before I, like Jesus, call this man a hypocrite, (laughs) this story invites me to consider, consider the ways that I insist on keeping the letter of the law at the expense of its intent. It invites me to consider why I insist on keeping the letter of the law at the expense of its intent, my own craving for order and stability. So just pause here just for a second. In in what ways is it difficult for me to imagine exceptions to the law that promote greater life, health, and flourishing to all? And if we look at another divine purpose for Sabbath, this synagogue leader responds, and it's actually very close to a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 5, 13. There are six days for work, not on the Sabbath, right? This man goes into a a specific law found in Deuteronomy. However, Deuteronomy, if you keep reading, goes on to say that one reason for the institution of Sabbath is to celebrate being set free, released from slavery. 
Remember that you were a slave in, in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, 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 they're connected. Therefore, the Lord your God commands, commanded you to keep the Sabbath, giving reason for this. They are connected. So it is here that Jesus, the Lord, answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it, wa- to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, I'll go over that, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept in bound for 18 long years, be set free on this Sabbath day from what bound her? This work of untying something to set it free, to loose it from the thing that it's bound to. In this instance, a donkey or an ox. Jesus is essentially saying, I've done the same work. I have released this woman from what she is bound to. Jesus' message is clear. If the Sabbath is about setting free, releasing, as Deuteronomy clearly says, then it is right and proper and good to celebrate that freedom of this woman from bondage, from the bondage of Satan. Yes, even on the Sabbath. Especially on the Sabbath. So to begin to wrap up here, I'd like to return to the woman, this crippled woman, in bondage for 18 years. Like he likely looked down on or overlooked. Perhaps even denied her own dignity as a person. And Jesus notices her. Brings her from the margins to the center. Touched by Jesus, she then set free, released, and restored to community. Now standing, every time I read this this week, this like I get to that part, standing, stri- or standing up straight, I find myself physically moving. Is anyone like standing straight? I just, it was like, okay, you do it too, Eric. You know, I, I don't know about you, but just a side note. So, so now standing straight, this woman experiencing a new perspective on things. This woman is restored to her proper stature and now able to see what Jesus sees. I think Jesus also in this text, she reminds us, she reminds her that her disability, her illness, disease does not define her. What defines her is that she is Abraham's daughter. Part of God's people. So this unnamed woman, and I think perhaps unnamed because maybe that's us, maybe that's you in some form or fashion. Unnamed woman is released from bondage. And I believe that those present in the synagogue are also invited to be released into new ways of thinking and being in the world. There's an invitation not just for the woman, 
but for all present. And in the end, who's in bondage? It's the synagogue leader. But I find myself in his shoes, okay? I'm not, I find myself there. So she no longer um, eyes fixed on the ground. She is released into an expansive vision of life, health, and flourishing. So as we close, just some questions just to, to consider. Might Jesus, on this Sabbath day, be inviting me towards release? So as we hold that question, maybe a second to consider, is there anything that as a church we need to be released or set free from?